If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, episode number 21. Today, I am opening up about my story in starting my business, my first baby, and the fears that are on my heart as we consider growing our family. Talking about our journey thus far, what's next, and how my heart really feels about adding another family member. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast with Jenna Kutcher, the live workshop-style business podcast for creative girl bosses, so you can train from the experts how to dig in, do the work, and tackle your goals along the way. Here's your host, photographer, educator, artist, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. Hey, Gold Diggers, it's Jenna Kutcher, and today I'm going to do something a little unique for the Gold Digger Podcast. Now, I feel like I say that all the time, but this episode is something that I finally realized like, hey, you just got to sit down and do it. I feel like there's so many things in our lives and in our businesses that we just keep putting off and we feel this nagging in our intuition and in our gut that's telling us, just do the work, just do the work. It's not going to be perfect. It might not be pretty, but just do the work. And one of the biggest things that I want to do going through this new year and with all these new opportunities is that I really want to start to listen to my gut again. I think sometimes as business owners and entrepreneurs and even just people on social media, there are so many loud voices in our heads and in our hearts and we really stop listening to the heart one. And we let the world kind of tell us what to do and who to be and what to become. And so this year, one of the biggest goals that I have for myself is to really just get back in tune with listening to my intuition and trusting it and following it and chasing it. And so today I want to go through and just talk about my fears in becoming a mother, where we're at with things and kind of what's ahead. And what I want to preface this with is that this is just my journey, my story. It's it's going to look different for each and every person. And, you know, I used to be a girl that loved to journal. And I hate to admit that I really haven't journaled much in the last few years, especially since starting a business. And so this podcast can in turn serve as a way to look back and say, oh my goodness, remember when, or remember that time when I felt like this. And so 
I really started thinking about, you know, where are we at? And since this is a place that I can actually be real and vulnerable and, and share our lives, I thought it's only fair that we share such a big piece of what's going on for us. And so I hope that you're along for the ride, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I just want to talk about some fears I have from, from business to baby. And that's what I want to call it. And so let's start at the very beginning. Cause I think that's where all good stories begin. Now, growing up, I loved babies. Like I was that little girl who would run over and see babies and I probably like touched them and I probably shouldn't have. And so when I was six years old and my mom told me that she was pregnant, I didn't believe her. I remember running through the halls of the school, just screaming that I'm going to be a big sister. And when my little sister came into the world, I called her my baby and I took care of her. I wanted to do everything. I was this little tiny pint sized six-year-old girl carrying around a baby. And I still question my mom's judgment in the fact that she let me do that. But she said that she trusted me. She said I was very trustworthy. I was also that little girl who then went on to get certified to do CPR and became a nanny. And I spent my summers and sometimes my evenings and holidays babysitting. And I loved babysitting. I thought it was so fun to be in charge and be in control. And I thought babysitting was the best, especially when you would make like $20 and you felt so rich. So there's a few summers that I was a nanny and I watched one or two kiddos and that was great. Fast forward then when I became an adult and I really started to think about like, okay, do I want to have kids? And I always said the answer was yes. I was like, yep, I want to have two kids, hopefully a boy and a girl. And that was that. But things started to change a lot once Drew and I actually got married. And the possibility that kids could be right around the corner happened. And all of a sudden, I started to feel my heart harden towards the idea of kids. Because I loved, I loved so much where we were. I loved that it was just the two of us. I coveted my time with Drew. I love that we had the freedom to travel and that we were able to chase our careers, which at that time looked totally different than it looks today. And when we got married, I feel like all of a sudden the questions started coming, like, when are you guys going to have kids? And I've always been a stubborn person. <laughs> Ask anyone in my family. I've always been so stubborn. And so I didn't like that society was assuming that now that I'm a young married woman, that I would just start a family. And so I feel like that stubbornness fueled the next five years of my life when I kept saying, well, maybe when I'm 30, maybe when I'm 30, we'll start having kids. Drew and I, we really wanted to have some years of marriage. Like it was just something that both of us had in us. And truth be told, both of our parents had about five years of marriage before they started their families. And we thought that was so inspiring and we just have such incredible relationships to look up to. And so as we started going through marriage and just navigating it and experiencing loss in losing one of our very good friends and kind of just seeing, you know, what does our relationship look like? And are we solid? And do we feel good? Kids just started feeling further and further away for us. And so for so much of our marriage, especially those first few years, we just kept saying, I don't know if we really want to have kids. Like, think of the freedom we have. You know, we have money. We can travel. Like, we are looking at these friends of ours who started families really young, and we weren't envious at all. 
So it was a major shock when we hit our five-year anniversary. And all of a sudden, we started to think about kids in a little bit different of a way. Now, both of our brothers, who are older than us, they had started their families. And so we had nephews, and now we have a niece. And we got to watch that connection. And I think that there is something so special in getting to meet a niece or a nephew because they're part of your blood. They just, they feel like part of you in such a weird way. And you flash back to your childhoods or you get to start seeing the world through a new set of eyes. And so when our nephews came along, it kind of maybe was the bug that got put in us that started to change our hearts. And it definitely took a long time for us to actually say, like, are we ready to do this? We were watching so many of our friends transition from single life to married life to parenting life. And they didn't make it look easy, not in the least, but they made it look worth it. And so we started to notice a shift in ourselves. And I think we both were surprised when we were like, hey, I think I think we want to have a kid. I remember those early conversations when that happened because I think we were both a little afraid to say it because for so long we had been so defiant, so stubborn, so set that we were maybe not the right people to become parents. And so when it shifted, it just felt very, very different. It's interesting now because I think that people just have so much advice when it comes to parenting and I'm anticipating that all these people are going to email me all about this episode. And I, while I love the words, I think that it's such a unique journey. I've really learned how personal of a question it is to ask people, are you thinking about starting a family or when will you have kids? Because I think that the Lord has put all of these different people in my life that have different stories, that that question can be such a deep pain point. And for a long time, I questioned, well, what is our journey to parenting going to look like? I felt like all of these things were happening in my life, in my friends' lives, and I was the one watching them. And I felt like I was being prepared for something. I always had this thing. And so I've learned over the last few years to never assume, never assume that people are going to want to have children. Never assume that people aren't trying to have children. Never assume that people are just being defiant or stubborn like I was. Never assume. I know that I don't ever swear in this podcast, but when we were growing up, you'd always say, when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. And I really think that's true. But I think what's even more true than just having assumptions is just respecting people and their decisions. And so when we used to be in that place of like, gosh, I don't know, I don't, I think we're like not going to have kids and people would start on these long rants about why we should and why it's best thing. Nothing they were going to say was going to change our minds or hearts. And so if you're in a place right now where people are just making assumptions or telling you, you know, you should, or this is the best thing and your heart's not there. Listen to that. Listen to that. I don't believe that your heart is lying to you. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, this year for me is all about getting back in tune with those inner voices, getting back in tune with God and what he's saying to me, silencing the world and just listening again. And so 
when we decided, man, I think we might want to like go for this. It's kind of crazy. I don't know. We were really scared to tell anyone because I think that as women, there's this innate fear in us that we're broken, that it's not going to happen for us, that something's going to be our fault, that we weren't cut out for motherhood and that that's maybe the reason why something's not happening for us. And I've walked alongside so many women who have struggled with infertility, who struggled with miscarriage, who have struggled with adoption, who have struggled with not knowing if they can really be a mom. So when we started to think about it, one of the biggest fears that sat in my heart was that I always referred to my business as my baby. Has anyone else done that? I feel like that's just such a normal thing, especially as an entrepreneur and just a dreamer who like absolutely loves what she does. And so for the last five years, I have felt like the baby in my life is my business. I mean, I've spent many sleepless nights up with it. I sent so many days caring for it. I have spent so many hours having my mind go a million miles a minute and thinking about how can I be better? How can I make this better? How can I serve better? How can I make a better of an impact? And the thought of switching from having my business be my baby to having a baby be my baby is quite terrifying. (laughs) You know, you're taking this life that you've built and that you've curated and you're taking this business that is such an extension of your soul that it's impossible to see where your soul ends and your business begins. And now you're adding this whole new element. And for me, the fear was that in becoming a mom, I would learn how insignificant my business actually was. I would learn how silly it was for how much time I'd spent on things that just didn't matter. And I talked a lot about this in episode number 15, where I shared the things I'm afraid to tell you. But what I think is really unique and interesting as entrepreneurs is that we're afraid, or at least I am. Let me speak for myself. I am afraid that I'm going to have this baby and one look in its eyes is just going to tell me like, this is your most important job. And there's absolutely no bad things about that, but there's fear in that. There's so, so much fear in what that would feel like. Because when you create something like a business, you want to create it right. You want it to outlast you. You want it to be bigger than the sum of your personal parts. And feeling that insignificance over something that you've worked so long and hard to build is actually like almost devastating. I think of it as like a funeral for my business. And while that might sound a little dramatic or morbid, I think about what it would feel like to see, again, the insignificance of all that I've worked so hard to get. Now, we also worry about experiencing loss again. And This last month has been super interesting to me because I am a person who loves to wrap up grief and tie it up in a pretty red bow, put it away and move on. But grief doesn't work like that, does it? 
Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and I was there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. Now, when we went through our miscarriage, there's so many things that I am still processing from it. And a lot of people don't know the actual story of our miscarriage. And I want to be very conscious that in sharing a little bit about this, it might bring up some really hard things for other people. And so if you've experienced a miscarriage and it's still hard in your heart, I encourage you or invite you to stop this episode if it's something that might just bring back too much for you. We've openly shared about the miscarriage and we didn't really get to share the actual story of how it unfolded. And one of the things I want for everyone to understand who's listening, whether you've gone through it or not, just as people talk about mom guilt, I think that there's a lot of miscarriage guilt. I think that we look at a miscarriage and we are like, oh, well, hers was like way worse than mine or 
mine was like, oh, I'm just so glad mine was way better than hers, like way easier to process. And miscarriage is miscarriage. A loss is a loss. When we found out we were pregnant, we were in Hawaii and I was six weeks along and we made an appointment when we got home and we went in for our nine week ultrasound. And I remember I had my camera there and Drew took these photos of me on the table. I was so excited. We had it ready to record when we heard the heartbeat. We were just like amped up. We told our family we were excited for those ultrasound photos. And when we went in, it was straight out of a movie. I like really felt unsettled. I was nervous, which I think most people are. And when the doctor came in and started the ultrasound, we knew something was wrong. And the baby was measuring smaller. And so she said, well, you know, maybe you're just off in your days. Maybe you're a little earlier than you thought you were. And Drew actually fainted. I think we both knew something was up. There wasn't a heartbeat. And so when Drew fainted, there's just so much commotion. And like, I was still sitting on the bed, like trying to understand what, what she was trying to tell me. And so the doctor came back in and she said, you can get dressed. And I said, I need you to tell me honestly, what do you think is going on? And what it was, was it was a miscarriage. So our baby passed away and my body was still holding on to it. We had to wait two and a half weeks before we actually said goodbye And it was the heaviest weeks of my life. And while two weeks doesn't sound like that long of a time, my body still thought it was pregnant. I went in for all the blood and hormone tests and they came back inconclusive because my hormones were still so high. I still felt pregnant. (laughs) I was still a little nauseous. I was still having cravings, you know, all those things. But I knew that the baby wasn't still growing. And so we had to go back in for an ultrasound the week later to make sure. And then we had to wait a whole nother week. And then I had to have surgery to remove the baby because my body wasn't naturally doing it. So those are two very heavy weeks. And I felt, I felt so called to share our story. It was the first time in my life that I actually felt called like Jenna, you have a platform. This is something that needs to be put out there. It's not because I wanted our lives to be super public. It wasn't because I wanted to use it in some weird way to administer, I don't know, support. It wasn't anything like that. But I felt from the minute we found out we were pregnant, I said, if we lose this baby, we're sharing it. And so, so we put it out there. And so, you know, over the last however many months, nine months, 10 months it's been, I've definitely experienced a lot of different things. There have been so many good days and so many days of like total clarity and just faith that everything worked out. But then there also have been days where it just feels like grief is this ocean. And some days I can stand on the shore and acknowledge the waves. And some days those waves just suck me in, pull me under. And I've had a lot of good months recently, but I think lately as we've started thinking about, are we ready to like give this another go? It's just become a little bit more real again. And so I find myself like crying more again because I'm like, gosh, like, you know, I've, I've been able to like compartmentalize that part. And now we're like thinking about opening up to that possibility again. Am I really ready for that? And so it's been interesting because I feel like this last month now that again, that reality is here that we could actually like become parents again, you know, it's scary, right? So one of the things that I want to say is that I feel so fortunate that we know we can get pregnant. And 
there are probably some of you out there who either will experience infertility or who are going through that. And I just want you to know that like I am praying for you because I think that once you have that desire to become a parent, there's just something in you that won't you like you can't just shut it off. Right. I remember in my naive days when people were struggling and struggling to get pregnant and they were going to these extremes to try to make it happen for them. And I remember just thinking, well, why don't you adopt? I'm sure you've heard that before. But when I realized that there was this desire in me to become a mom, that was like this yearning inside of me that just can't be shut off. It can't be turned off. And I have so much more respect for people that are walking through that path and they just keep on walking and they're going and they're trying and they're praying and they're doing whatever they can. And so I just want to be so like conscious in sharing my story to not bring up any triggers for anyone else. You know, the thing about all of this and, you know, I don't really know exactly where this episode is headed, but I do know that there are just so many things for women that we struggle with that we just don't talk about. We just don't talk about them from eating disorders to body image, to comparison, to jealousy, to pregnancy, to miscarriage, to infertility, to adoption, to sexuality. I mean, there are just so many things that we have been told are shameful or wrong. And those are likely the biggest things that could connect us that could make us feel a little more human or a little less alone. Now, one of my other biggest fears when it comes to becoming a mom is the fear of losing myself in becoming a mom. (laughs) I am so afraid that I've worn all these titles for so long. And if you've ever heard me speak, I, I actually really hate titles. I just think that they're easy to hide behind. But I realize that with one look at a sweet little baby that is half me and half Drew, that I will proudly and boldly wear that title of mom. But I also fear that I'll lose my identity in that. Now, I'm this kind of girl who, when I go all in, I am all in. And what a blessing, right? Like, I think that's part of the reason why I've been able to do so much in the last five years is when I make up my mind, you better believe I'm going for it. And I remember laughing (laughs) at moms who would have this baby and then all of a sudden their Facebook profile photo becomes a baby photo. And I'm like, that's not you. That's like, this is your profile. This is you. Like, yeah, your baby's so stinking cute. But like, where did you go? And I would see all of these moms share their child's lives so openly, so freely. And yet I would never see them anymore. And it was always something that just really tugged at my heart because While mom is a title that you wear, it's not who you are. It's not the only thing you are. And I've always had just had this slight fear of losing myself in being a mom. And if we're really getting honest, I think the bigger fear in all of that is always feeling like I'm not doing anything fully. Always feeling like when I'm in my business, I'm not actually able to get things done at the capacity I'd like to, or I'm not fully there because I'm feeling guilt because now I have this baby. And when I'm parenting, I'm going to be feeling guilt because I'm thinking about my business. And goodness, if anyone has ever figured out that juggling act, like, let me know. But I think that this is just what the reality is. 
I also, now this just came into my head, but since we're just talking, I also used to have this fear that I could only love one dog. <laughs> like I couldn't possibly love two dogs the same. And I remember when we were growing up, we'd always ask our mom, mom, who's your favorite kid? And of course she would say, I love you all so, so much. You're all so different. You know, our love is all so different, whatever. I love you, mom, if you're listening to this. But, you know, when we first had Chloe, I was like, I just want to have one dog so that I can just love her fully and she can be spoiled and she can have everything in the world. And, and then along came Tucker, who's sitting in my lap right now as I record this. And I love them both so much. And I don't love either of them more. And I get it. I get it. Your heart, your heart doesn't max out its capacity. It just gets bigger. Right? So where's all this going? You know, I think that as we're navigating this next stage of our lives, as we're contemplating what it's going to look like or, or how we're going to get there, what the whole quote, trying again thing looks like. I think that I really want to just put it out there into the universe so that I can stop feeling like I'm alone. Because my biggest mission in all of this is to empower people, to make them always feel like they're enough and to make them feel less alone. And a lot of times I don't give myself that opportunity. Crazy, isn't it? Crazy that the people that are likely leading you in in their lives and in their businesses, they're The people that are so good about speaking truth into your life are usually the last ones to accept it into theirs. And so while I was at this meeting in California, I was just struggling with clarity in all of it. You know, I could make jokes about becoming a mom and making Drew a stay at home dad. And, but then there'd just be this twinge of like, oh, like we were almost there. Now we're not there. Now we're starting over. But when I started to talk to other women about it and started to talk about navigating this parented thing and, and what it looks like to go from having a business baby to a real baby and the things that we're going to face and the way that it's going to change our lives. I think that there's so much uncertainty there that never gets spoken about. I think that we fear being seen as less than, or people will question like, is she really going to be a good parent? But I think the fact that we're willingly having these conversations is proof enough that we're going to be just fine, that the world needs more people to stand up and say, Hey, I might not be feeling the exact same things as you, but I'm definitely feeling some of the feels. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb super host several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now... One of the things that I think is terrifying or really hard, especially in this day and age with social media, is that a lot of us will follow people that just make life look easy. 
that just make it look like things just naturally happen for them or that they have this dream house or this dream business or they work in this dream office or this dream marriage. And while we all know what our actual reality looks like, our brain is really an expert at tricking us into believing that we are the only ones who don't have it figured out. Our society has a way of making us feel less than because it's trying to get us to fill the voids with different things. It's trying to tell us if you go buy this one thing or take this training or go to this retreat or buy this stroller or have this perfectly styled nursery, that it's all going to be okay. But I think one of the biggest realizations I've had, especially over this last year, is understanding that our human nature is to always want more, to never be fulfilled. Because what would life of fulfillment look like? What would it look like to wake up and just say, I am content? While it might seem like a dream, I also think that we would lose our drive that we aren't supposed to find total fulfillment on this planet. (laughs) Total fulfillment isn't an earthly thing. And so as I realized this in my business, I thought, Jenna, why are you not applying this to your fears about parenting? Look at how we turned out. Our parents had no clue what they're doing. Even to this day, as I see all these blogs drop of parenting advice or all of these Pinterest pins of these beautiful mothers pushing these strollers, showing no signs of actually carrying this baby. As I see all of these perfect styled nurseries and yearn to give my baby something that beautiful, I realize that the way that that we are wired is that we're always going to want to figure it out. And yet while we might not ever figure it out, what I think is more important is that we just step up and do the work. So when I thought about this episode and I thought about, well, what in the heck am I going to talk about? Clearly, I had some things to say. It was more important to just sit down and do the work than to have it be perfect. It was more important to sit down and do the work than to open up 10 million tabs and Google what are fears about parenting and share those fears. Because I think what's more important is to just sit down and do my work. I struggle in asking myself every day, what does the world need and how can I give it to them? But sometimes I need help too. And so what I would ask for you is to not, not send me all these messages that are saying, Jenna, like parenting, isn't that scary? You're going to be great. Like, I believe that I really do believe that. I think that I will be a great mother someday, but what I would love for you to do beyond that is to take some time today and connect with another woman. Have an open and honest conversation about what being a woman is. Talk to somebody and ask them how you can lift them up. Give them the chance to be raw and vulnerable. Maybe you have to start and share something real so that they know you are not kidding around when you say, I want to get to the heart of what's going on in your life. But what I really think that we as women need is that we need a little bit more honesty. We need a little bit more grace and a lot less judgment. We need for people to stop asking us silly questions like, when are you going to have kids? And start asking serious questions like, how is your heart doing today? (laughs) 
Imagine how different our conversations could look. Imagine how different we could show up into the world if that was the way that we were looking at things. Imagine the facades that we wouldn't have to hide behind when we felt truly free to say those things that are scaring us the most. Imagine how incredible it could feel to know that you're not on this journey alone. So while I don't exactly know what's next and and how this is all going to look for us, I do know that I want to share our story because I don't look at people as followers or listeners. I look at people as friends. And when I say come as you are, that means that I have to show up just as I am. Whether I want to or not, it is my responsibility to you to do that. And I don't take those responsibilities lightly, not in the least. I take responsibility in changing the world, but not in a way that is trivial, not in a way that says, look at what I've done. Now you can do it too. It's more, look at what I'm going through. Maybe we can go through this together. So what's next? Well, we're definitely talking about trying again. And a lot of people might have different ideas of what that looks like. In fact, I hate the word trying again because it makes me feel like we failed, but we didn't fail. I think that we have honored that baby's life. I think that has changed us so much as human beings. It's changed the direction of everything for us. It was the catalyst in our lives to ask for help. It was a catalyst in our lives to say, what do I really want to do with this life of mine? It was the catalyst that got Drew to leave a job of five years to pursue his dreams. It was a catalyst that said, why are we waiting to live? Let's do what we've been wanting to do. Let's go to Hawaii for a month. It was a catalyst to say, I can now have empathy towards women in a new way that I couldn't before. So as we navigate this, I want to keep the conversation open. I want to encourage you to share your heart, whether with me or with someone else. I would love for you to comment on my Instagram and just tell me where you're at or if this even helped. I don't know. This isn't for you. This is for me. But maybe in sharing this message, it will help you along the way. I want us as women whether we decide to start families or not, whether we feel called into motherhood or not, whether it's just happening for us or it's not to come together and lift one another up. And so in closing, I just want to thank you. Thank you for letting me share this journey and thank you for letting me put out things into the world that I know might not be true, but right now they are my truths And I cannot wait to take you along for the ride as we navigate the good, the bad, and the ugly together. And so my goal that I'm going to start digging is to just keep showing up, to sit down and just record, to do the work, to not worry about being perfect, but to show up as authentic as I possibly can into the world so that hopefully when I shine this little light of mine, it illuminates yours in a new way. So until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. And friends, as always, if this touched you or if this podcast has at all encouraged you in your life or in your business or in your dreams, please hop onto iTunes and just tell me. I read every single review and 
I can tell you this. It would be so good for my heart to hear from you today. Have an incredible day. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, friends, keep on digging. Thanks for listening to Gold Digger. Dive into show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. You gold digging dream chaser, you. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.